your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Live Network and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Thomas Welch. And I'm Josh Hines. And uh, we got a fun one for you today. We're going to be recapping uh, a little bit of the Blues weekend, but mostly uh, the final game of the seven-game series against the Arizona Coyotes, in which the Blues were shut out by Darcy Kemper. Uh, one to nothing, but Josh and everyone else at home, I want to remind you that today's episode is sponsored by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Now, Josh, obviously there's not a whole lot to talk about uh, in terms of offensive production from the last game because it was only a 1-0 score. Uh, but I do think the Blues, and Baruby kind of alluded this, uh, alluded to this in his short post-game conference. I don't know if you saw that, but he was kind of pissed. But um, I thought the Blues played really well. I thought the work ethic was there from everybody. Uh, I thought they were cycling pucks well, uh, putting shots on net. Obviously, Darcy Kemper had a fantastic game. And anytime you're playing with a dismembered lineup like the Blues are right now in terms of injuries, it's going to be an uphill battle. But uh, I, a lot a lot of positives to take away from this game, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, I think right off the bat, it's important to remember that a, couple, a multitude of factors, A, this was the seventh game in a row between the St. Louis Blues and Arizona Coyotes, so these teams know each other extremely well. And B, the Blues are uh, have are about five players more shorthanded than they were at game one with, with Arizona. So they were definitely going into this game, not I don't want to say expected to lose, but you know going into this game with their work cut out for them. Um, and I think both goaltenders really, I think both teams played a really, really good game. And it was reminiscent of what a game seven in, in a playoff series would be, you know, with a one nothing finish. And at the end of the day, I think it, it really just came down to the, the shortened Blues bench, you know, losing Tory Krug fairly early in the game and then just not really having the depth because of all the other injuries. You know, we'll get into that later. I just think it came down to that little bit of lack of experience because the the areas that the, we that we've discussed that the blues have struggled in i don't think they really struggled in today i think they were winning a lot of puck battles i think that they were decent enough on special teams um it really just played out like a game seven and i, I don't really think that we should be too critical of the blues in this game i think you know since we have another chance to talk about it it's really huge that they came away with both with two wins in the back-to-backs um i think is the real story here you know, to even with these injuries, managed to to get what five out of six points last week against Arizona. So, it, as much as no, you're good. Yeah, as much as um, as much as it's frustrating to you know close out this series with a one nothing loss. You know, the worst way to lose, arguably, because uh, it's, it's so frustrating and almost boring. Um, this series could have got a lot worse, especially where we were sitting heading into this weekend. So. I I think you if you're the Blues you got to move on, let some guys rest up a little bit. You know, like I said, if, if this was a real game seven, Jaden Schwartz would have been playing. So let some of the injured guys, like hopefully Pareko, get a little bit of rest and come into this next series against San Jose uh, at a, as close to 100 percent as possible. We we talked about it uh, when the Blues were down three games to one. It's like 
well, now your backs are up against the wall and you kind of in a, in a place. And obviously, it's not the playoffs, but it's like a playoff series and you would like to see the Blues team respond even in the regular season. Uh, so we were like, look for them to bounce back. Hopefully they do. Uh, if not, hopefully they bounce back and gain some momentum going into these next series because it is going to be a grind over a seven-game series. And what did they do? They came out and even the series up. So I think uh, even just that and kind of bouncing back in that regard, uh, especially with a guy like Robert Thomas going down in the middle of the series. Um, I think that there's, that's something positive to take away from this whole thing, but it is going to be nice to get a little change of scenery, uh, change of pace, and, and go up against San Jose and the Kings coming up here in two-game series instead of seven-game series. Uh, but yeah, Clayton Keller, St. Louisan, uh, getting the only goal, and the uh, Coyotes walk away one nothing, and take it four games to three over the St. Louis Blues, but uh, I thought Austin Pagansky, like, like you were talking about, the Blues played really well uh, in the grimy areas and along the boards, uh, winning puck battles, and just uh, 50-50 pucks felt like a lot more were going the Blues' way. And I think that's huge because there's been so many games that we talked about. It was like the puck wasn't bouncing our way. We were getting beat, uh, looked a little bit flat-footed, or like our effort wasn't there entirely. Like you said, it didn't look like that at all. Um in this Blues game, but I think Austin Pagansky is one of those guys that really stepped in uh, when called upon. Uh, I, and obviously he's not going to bring, especially being like that fourth line guy, and they said that's kind of like his ceiling. Uh, so I could see him being like, if he makes his way into the NHL and pans out like they expect him to, I feel like his ceiling is, is a guy similar to like Kyle Clifford, uh, or who's just banging bodies, winning puck battles, lifting sticks, uh, doing all that grimy work, maybe being a net front presence. Uh, all that good stuff, I feel like he played to a T in that role, and he filled that role well. Uh, so I loved his play there. I loved Jacob De La Rose throughout the end of this series. I thought he was playing fantastic hockey. Uh, McEachern was banging bodies as well. So a lot of guys, and they always talk about that next man up mentality when you're going through injuries, right? And I feel like a lot of times uh, that next man is like a guy like, oh, well, we're going to have to lean heavily on Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, who also picked it up in production, nothing against him, but uh, on a guy like David Perron, who are those like, not really like secondary scoring guys, but like still like your stars that are left in the lineup are going to have to pick up the pace. Uh, But it really wasn't that for the Blues. It was more of the, it was the utility guys and the grinders and the fourth liners that stepped up up into their role. And I, uh, it's it's like a love-hate relationship because you love seeing those fourth liners uh, do their thing. Uh, and kind of come in and just right off the jump set the world on fire. But uh, obviously that wasn't enough to carry this team to a full sweep of the weekend. But I, like I said, a lot of good to take away from it, so can't be too mad. Yeah, uh, I think a couple of good points you hit on. I think, first of all, uh, Pagansky has looked pretty damn good in his limited time with the Blues. Um so much so that I think I, I'd almost argue that he has a higher ceiling than, than a Kyle Clifford type player. Because I think that speed element is something that is maybe a little underrated so far. I, I don't think he's shown, been able to show it off too much just because he's had limited ice time. But he's shown flashes there of, of being being a little sneaky fast with the puck as well. Um, so I, I think with, with, with a little bit of comfort, he could play sort of a, a, a gadget role like, like a Sammy Blay or a Oscar Sundquist and play up and down the lineup because um, I think he can kind of produce at both ends in limited capacities. 
Um, but yeah, I think the Blues have so many players like that, and we saw it throughout this series. You know, it really wore on St. Louis as as time went on. We saw it on offense and defense with guys like Miko coming in. Um, so it really showed the versatility that St. Louis has, which I think should should get Blues fans excited for not only the rest of the season but the next few years of this you know window. Uh, there's a lot of different names that, depending on how things shake out and depending on who steps up at the right time there are a lot of different names who could be really big contributors for this team for the rest of the season and a couple of years down the line as well yeah i think so too 100 percent uh and we'll get into that uh in further on into this episode uh, but for now i think it's time for a break so we will return to talk about the st louis blues right after a word from our sponsors All right, Josh. So obviously we talked about getting a little bit of a change of landscape and going uh, going to see some guys in San Jose uh, play those fellas in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mind boggling. I know it feels like it's just been us. But um, yeah, San Jose is on the lineup card and so are the Kings. So uh, I feel like it's a good test for this Blues team, but also like almost a sigh of relief because I feel like Arizona, we talked about them being kind of that fourth team uh, that everyone's kind of got pegged as a playoff caliber team. Uh, and they played like it. I mean, Connor Garland just came into this series and lit our world on fire and the blues didn't really have an answer for him. He's a spark plug. And I think he's going to be uh, play that style of hockey for them all season long. So uh, on most nights, he's going to be a threat. The blues got to be ready for him. NHL has got to be ready for him, but I do think uh, eventually they will make the playoffs uh, but the San Jose Sharks and the Kings are kind of a step down from that. So it's almost like a sigh of relief for the Blues. Uh, and almost like this series against the Coyotes has shown them like, okay, here's where your play needs to be. on, And you can like kind of realize on nights when it's not, you know. And I think that will be crucial for them uh, in earning points against lower level teams like San Jose and like the Kings instead of splitting the series like we saw early in the season. Yeah, um, I got. I don't even want to call it a hot take, but I got a, a prediction heading into this this little two games. It's two game stint with San Jose, right? Yeah, two yeah. games. Um, I predict the Blues go in and, and blow the doors off the San Jose Sharks um, in at least one of these games. I think anytime you're going to play a team seven games in a row, especially in the regular season, um, a it's going to be frustrating, but b it's going to give you a chance to really find your game. You know, because you're you're playing the same team seven games in a row, you don't really have to change your game plan too much night in night out. You know, it's easier to play the same way uh, every single night when you're playing the same team. So as much as it was frustrating watching the Coyotes seemingly figure out the Blues uh, more and more every single game, the Blues also kind of figured themselves out. If that makes sense. You know, it, it, it's 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 a little bit of a, a bonus being able to just say, okay, don't really have to change our, our game plan based on the opponent too much, but here's what we struggled with. Here's what we can work on. So I think I think the Blues kind of might have grown as a team, you know, chemistry-wise a lot more than we might have seen just because it's harder to see progress uh, on a given night nightly basis when you're playing the same team seven nights in a row. So I think not only are 
you know, if I'm in that locker room, I'm itching to see uh, new faces on the other side after playing Arizona so many times. So not only is there going to be that, you know, I'm sure the team is really excited to play a new opponent. I think that they they are going to take advantage of, of the, that that growth that they had and, and see a new team and be rolling and, and, and win big. Because I, I think I would be frustrated losing the way that they did today. I think that's not a bad take to die on. I would love to see this Blues team just go out and uh, dismantle the San Jose Sharks. And if you remember, I think... Uh, well, one of those games, uh, Kairou had that goal where he just blew past Carlson. Uh, so I think that was really where Kairou started feeling comfortable. So maybe he taps more into that. Not that he's been playing bad. I don't think he's been playing bad. Even though, like, a lot of members of the media keep asking him about, like, oh, where's your point production? Like, you've dipped in these last couple of games. Like, the dude was putting up numbers point per game. We were talking about it every night. Uh, just fantastic numbers. And I'm not saying he's not capable of doing that, but expecting him to do that every single night, even when he's still playing adequate and above adequate, maybe some would even say elite level of hockey, uh, you, there's going to be nights where you play, honestly, probably feels like your best game and you don't find the back of the net. And there's going to be other nights where you feel like the puck's not going your way at all and you score a hat trick. It's just, that's the way the sport goes. It's it, It's fickle like that, but... Um, we could very well see a, not a reemergence, but Jordan Kyrou's production pick back up again, uh, feeding on these lower level teams. So I would love to see that, but I think, uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head too, talking about chemistry and there's a lot of things that teams can bond over, whether it's figuring out what's wrong with your play, what's wrong with your power play, uh, maybe an overtime sniper by Mike Hoffman. That was pretty nasty and that got the whole bench, uh, excited. Uh, but I think another team that a team Another thing that a team can bond over is officiating, and it feels oh, like that is kind of the started, route that this bro. team that this team is going currently. I mean, you just look at the trickle down effect, and anytime your coach gets mad about a call, it's not that you can't notice it on the bench either, but it's easier for it's easy for that emotion to spread across the bench. And Baruby was letting them have it uh, this whole series long, and rightfully so, just because it just felt like. Night in and night out, just egregious calls left and right, um, and and he really let him hear it. Uh, well, you could hear it in his tone of voice in the last press conference. Uh, he was keeping his answers very short. He sounded very stern, not happy to be there at all, uh, and left as quickly as he could. So yeah, I mean, I feel like it goes back to what we talked about in the crossover episode. You know, it's not so much that the refs are making bad calls per se. I mean, it is, but it's it's more so the the lack of consistency. Um, and it's like the, oh, I forget who was it, who got hauled down? Was it Peron? Pagansky. Pagansky. Pagansky mm. gets hauled on down. On a two-on-one break and he got hauled right. down from behind. Right. And, and like, it, it's bad enough to, to, to not call that. But I guess maybe, maybe you could, you could argue letting that go in a one nothing game. Maybe. But then you look back at, at other spots in the game and you say, well, okay, no, because that's clearly not the that that's clearly not the president you're going off of. You know, you you can see a guy like Ryan O'Reilly taking that first penalty, which was just so soft. You know, and then that's the complete opposite end of the spectrum. It's like, okay, yes, maybe by the rule book definition, what Ryan O'Reilly did was a penalty, but how are you going to call this? But they call it, and you say, okay, fine. If you're going to if you're going to call it that, then that's the standard you're setting for the rest of the game, and you're going to call things really tight. And then they go a complete 180 to that precedent that they set and they let the Pogansky thing goes. And that's what makes it twice as frustrating for me. Not only are they are they 
you know, officiating in in a frustrating manner. They're they're flip flipping and flopping between strict, not strict. We're gonna let this go. We're gonna call this. It, it just really seems like you you can't go into a given night knowing what to expect with the officiating. Yeah, that's what the problem is too. Is like it it would be different. If it was consistent, and like like you said, that's a perfect way of phrasing it. If they knew what to expect, they could adapt, right? And be like, okay, we're not going to play as physical if you're going to call interference on a baby pick play that people were doing all playoffs long. That's fine. We won't do that anymore. Uh, if, if you're not going to call people getting hauled down from behind, we're going to amp it up a little bit more physical, uh, throw some bodies, and make some more picks. But the problem is when the Blues get physical, the calls come, and when other teams get physical – the calls, the whistles are swallowed, and I don't, I don't understand why that's the case. Maybe it's just uh, the precedent that the Blues have set, and everyone calling them a dirty team has started kind of trickling into the minds of the referees. I don't know. I, 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 I genuinely don't have an answer for it. Uh, but I'm hoping with the new crews that we get against San Jose and the Kings that. Uh, that'll kind of weed itself out, and the Blues can finally play a full 60 minutes of hockey. That's not uninterrupted, but I mean, you start building momentum and a whistle gets called, and you start building momentum and a whistle gets called, and it's hard to get a it's hard to get a full game and the wheels turning under you when you have to stop and kill a penalty or go on the power play and try to figure out what's wrong with that entirely different aspect of the game at the same time. So that's problematic. That's problematic, and uh, I don't know. At some point, because like we talk about it every time, at some point this team's gonna run out of energy. Ener- energy. Uh, when you're killing all these penalties and on the power play at the same time. But if you're running out of energy and you need a little boost, uh, I recommend that you go check out Built Bar because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar you have ever had. And now it's more deliciouser because they have six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And the best thing about Built Bars are they're healthy. They're great for the health-conscious guy or girl, and they lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat because the bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They're great for a keto diet. They're great for keeping you warm. Uh, If you're in the middle of a blizzard right now, you can't go out to the store. Uh, Maybe don't order it right now just because getting to your door would probably be be an icicle at that point. Uh, But once everything melts a little bit, uh, it's, it's a perfect meal replacer you can eat it as a snack if you're a college student all those good things so go to builtbar.com right now and use the promo code locked on you'll get 20 percent off your next order that's promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com now josh Just a bit of a bit of a live update for everyone i'm currently on pace for the brooklyn nets to net me a, a big 116 dollar profit tonight um so we but, yeah, I I know, but it was the it was so Bet Online has this great feature called the odds booster where they take a bet where they think where they 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 think it could be a little popular but maybe not going to happen. So I took Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets covering the spread and the over hitting for the game because I thought, hey, Kevin Durant's out. There's going to be no defense tonight, and sure with boosted odds, and sure enough, it's looking beautiful. So uh, I don't know, Tommy, if if anyone else wants to wants to check out. BetOnline's great features like the odds booster and, and other things. Where, where could they go? The odds booster. Yeah, you definitely got to go to betonline.ag for that. That sounds amazing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action because football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are still in full swing, and BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. 
Uh, I was just watching American Idol the other night. I'm not really sure why. That's, that show's been on forever. Uh, but you can bet on your favorite contestant right there. I think they're in audition still too. So you could really make some money off of that if you see somebody you like. Uh, the Bachelor's still going on if you think somebody's got enough to win it all and get that final rose. Uh, they do real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. That's at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook expert. Going into this next series and taking everything into consideration, all the injuries that the Blues have right now. Obviously, Tori Krug uh, is day-to-day with an upper body injury now. Uh, so it really feels like the defensive side of the puck has just been absolutely mangled this season already. Uh, losing a key guy like Robert Thomas doesn't help either. Sammy Blay has been out now. Uh, that's a lot of physicality for your team. How can this team move past these injuries going into the next series? And who do you think is going to step up and really kind of take the horse by the reins and drive this team to success? All right, all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step back for a little bit, and I want to I want to paint a picture. So one one element of the Blues that I think has shown through the past few seasons under Craig Ruby is that they're they're sort of the their their similarity to a a big big ass snowball rolling down the hill. At the beginning of the season, they might not seem that threatening, but by the end, they got so much momentum that. They're unstoppable. Now, right now, the Blues are dealing with a lot of adversity. They played the same team seven times in a row. Half their roster's injured. Um, you know, they're they're dealing with inconsistent officiating, whatever. That's all issues which are, you know, at the moment on track to be, you know, rectified by in, within the next few weeks, next few months. Um, you add on to that the fact that a guy like Clem Costin is potentially going to be wrapping up the KHL playoffs. Um, in the next in the coming weeks and months, uh, which would make him eligible to join the roster. A guy like Vladimir Tarasenko is is going to be returning sooner rather than later. Uh, not to mention all the other guys they have injured are going to be coming back. So right now, in the meantime, you basically just have to do the best you can to get this team ready for the playoffs. If you're looking at it in a long term aspect, you know, make the little adjustments here and there, and and th- they're winning enough games that where I can say I- I'm comfortable saying that they're going to struggle a little bit right now with the injuries. That being said, I think San Jose is a, a poor team, and I think that they should win both of these games. But I, I think I, I think right now it's just take things one day at a time. Don't rush Tory Krug back. Don't rush Jaden Schwartz back. And, and just ch- do do whatever you can to be better than you were in the last game against Arizona. That's all you could ask for. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. It's like kind of weathering the storm, right? Because I don't think anyone expects, especially with the roster that the Blues have right now. I think if you say take the roster at the beginning of the season, obviously we were talking about them being Stanley Cup contenders. Uh, and I still look think at the they roster that be, they have obviously. now. I do too. I do too. But I think if you look at the stark contrast of the roster that they're putting out every night now, uh, it's it's difficult to go out there and be like, well, you guys should be beating teams like Colorado and Vegas with. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't really expect them to compete with the lack of firepower that they have and the big names that they're missing on their roster. Um, But you can expect them, like you said, to kind of weather the storm and play well uh, and and compete and not not you don't have to compete at like your top level, but just go out there and give it your best shot. And that's all anyone can really ask of you, you know, and I think this is 
Uh, we already touched on it earlier on in this episode, but this is this is a good time to get those uh, fourth and third line guys rolling. Uh, so when it comes around playoff times, if you if there's guys that get injured in the playoffs, which typically tends to happen because your body's worn down by the end of the season, and guys need to step in and take that role. Uh, the Blues will be better off than a lot of other teams because they've already had guys throughout the season that have stepped in and taken that role like we've seen with De La Rose, like McEachern, like Pagansky, a guy that probably a lot of people didn't expect to leave the taxi squad this season when you look at the lineup and now he's out here contributing and winning board battles. So I think all of those little things combined, uh, like you said, Josh, I still think this is a Stanley Cup contending team. Once they get healthy, uh, we always say it's it's like pretty much making a big trade in the middle of the season. The Blues are going to make a lot of them when they get all these guys back, specifically Tarasenko. That's going to be huge. So, uh, yeah, let's go out, take care of these Sharks, take care of the Kings, and and see where we go from there. Get some guys back along the way. I, I think you, you said it perfectly. Um, when we're looking back at it, we're going to say, yeah, man, that was tough going without Tarasenko or Schwartz or whatever, but those two games that Pogansi got in really helped when he had to come in for game six in this series against blah, 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 and play a game, you know? So in the long run, it's frustrating right now. And as much fun as it would be to watch Vladimir Tarasenko go out and score four goals against the, against the Sharks in, in this upcoming game, I, I'm comfortable saying, all right, we'll let some of the, some of the rookies, some of the taxi squad guys get some games in. So that way they're more prepared when the playoffs roll around. In the meantime, let our guys get healthy. It's a tough season. They're not practicing that much. They're not recovering from injuries as efficiently. So I'd rather be conservative. I'd rather take it safe than sorry. I'd rather lose one extra game and, and conserve Jaden Schwartz's health. You know, theoretically, he could have played tonight, whatever, than, than be wearing our guys down. So I think this blue team is set up really, really well for the long run. Yeah, so if you're if you came to this podcast looking for the answer to how will this team go on a 10-game win streak and go win the Stanley Cup, I think the answer is time. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Locked On Blues podcast. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Locked On Blues. You can follow me on Twitter at 12-15. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. But as always, let's go Blues.